these for me. Let's see. I don't need them. Fate. Good afternoon, everybody. How are we going? That worship was special and precious. Thank you so much for the bravery of, of that. Isn't Andrew amazing as well? Just when he gets like war drummy. It's awesome. My name's Amy, also um, just one of the pastors here, um, alongside Rachel over here, who's also one of the pastors. And um, we've got three associate pastors. We've got Nicole, we've got Kylie, and we've got Andrew, who was on the drums. So the six of us meet very regularly. Often there's a seventh, Lindley Talbot, or a receptionist, plus helping oversee pastoral things, plus helping with Life Hub leading, plus checking in on people in our community who are vulnerable, plus no Wonder Woman, and she's my mother. What an amazing woman. Yes. So seven meet very regularly, it's very precious. I love, love it, they're my favorites. Um, today I wanna to talk a little bit about our oikos. You've heard the words oikos and ecclesia a bit the last little while. We were talking about how um, the oikos is the family and that's all the scriptural, that as a community we are to be a family. If we look in the Word, in the, in the Bible, there's a lot of familial language, brother, sister, fathering, you know, mothering, and a lot of instruction on being family to each other, which can be a confronting word for some, if we are to be oikos, and for others it can be, ah, yeah, yeah, just let me at them. So it can have a connotation that is positive or negative, depending on your background or experiences. And the ecclesia is the oikos on a mission. It's the governmental, we're on the move together. We do intercession, the prayer room, going out, bringing the kingdom. So it's the oikos bringing the kingdom, that's the ecclesia. Just wanting to talk a little bit about our oikos, which is not any more special. It's Ganesh, isn't it? I haven't met you before. I met your beautiful wife, Bridget, a couple of weeks ago. During that worship song, the one that was about how the power of God can come and do anything. I just saw a, um, it was like a shadow spirally wind tunnel above you all the way down onto your head. And I just felt an attack on your life and an attack on your mind. And I spent most of that song praying for you and you're a walking miracle and you're amazing and you're gonna come all the way through. You have such a strong spirit. I did feel it had a generational um, pressure behind it. Um, but just as we were singing that song and I was declaring that over you, I just saw that thing lifting and it's gonna go all together. You're gonna have a complete freedom and it's gonna be part of your story. Okay, so hang in there. Bless you. Oikos. <laughs> um, so we're not any more special than any other oikos, oikosai, oikoses, oikoses, anywhere else. Oikai. But how many of you have noticed families do things differently to each other? And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's better than anyone else. Have you gone to dinner somewhere else and noticed that the way they do family is different to the way you do family? Or you've watched someone father and they do it differently or they make different choices or they discipline differently? Or you've watched a mother and the choices they make, maybe public school versus Christian school versus homeschooling. There can be all different ways that a family does something and, and most of the time it's because they know what's best for their family, yeah? 
otherwise they wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> and they might discipline in this way because they know that kid needs it that way. Whereas for you, it's like, but I discipline this way. And it can be tempting to be like, oh my gosh, why would they do it that way? Because you're so convicted to do it your way, otherwise you wouldn't be doing it, yeah? We do things based on our conviction. Some families do things because it's dysfunction, because it's chaos, often it's generational chaos, and it's all that they've learnt, and so it's not intentional. It's not healthy, it's not beneficial, and often living in survival mode. So there can be families living in survival mode, and that's not what I'm referring to. But a, a family who's doing things intentionally, it can look different. And in this church family, we do things intentionally too. And every now and again, we can talk about it from up here, and we just go over some of the ways that we go, hey, can we just have a family meeting? which just a heads up, tonight's a bit of a family meeting. And for some children, they're like, ah, family meeting, this is where you get told off and something's happened. We can have a family meeting because all things are going amazing, but we just wanna keep reintroducing new people in our Oikos to the way that we do family here, which is very intentional. It's been built over a period of, long period of time through making a lot of mistakes, getting it wrong very often, hurting hearts very often. Um, but we really feel a conviction about the way we do things, about the way that we might um, manage things, the way we might confront things, the way we might treasure things, and wanted to unpack just some of the basics with us today for anyone who actually is unsure when it comes to some of the ways we do things. Is that all right? Is it okay if I draw some lines in the sand to also go, and we're not budging on these things? And draw some lines in the sand today for us, for our protection, um, and understanding always brings, ah, okay, yep, I can, I can get in on that. Where sometimes when we don't understand, we don't know, and then things are a little bit awry. Awry in the oikai. Okay. So we don't lead with structure. We lead with culture. So here, the structure of the church and the leadership and the teams and the rosters is not the main thing. Here, the culture, when it comes to family, is the main thing, okay? And if we led with structure, it would all be systems, but we, because we lead with culture, we're um, leading with our heart, and then we sometimes use a structure, like our skeleton, to just help that culture, a body, stand, okay? So we need a structure on the inside to hold it all up, but it's not structure-led. In saying that, I'll just help us go over what a background structure in this community is. I think there's a picture of our church, sort of who does what in the neighborhood. Thank you for all of that you do. So Brad Joss is the senior pastor. The so <laughs> most exciting point of the night. He has been since the beginning, planted this church just over 10 years ago with his wife, Lisa. And the, t the two of them have been in the senior pastors all the way up to January this year. And then uh, Lisa um, started the homeschooling last year and this year she's full-time into the homeschooling. So Rachel and I still have times in every week where we're over there connecting with her. And the kids actually with me, it's fortnightly. Rachel goes there every Monday. So we still connect with Lisa a lot relationally, but this is our first year where Brad is the senior pastor. And then this year, Rachel and I became pastors too. And then where we were associate pastors and then we welcomed on three of our co-fighters. Um, and so we've got the team of six there. 
As well as that, we've got what we call a core team, which is 35 to 40 people that are involved in more of a senior way in this community. All of our life hub leaders, the worship team, people that lead the prayer on the different days of the week. Um, we've got Vanessa, who leads Paradox Kids. Um, we've got Helene, who does all our bookkeeping, and a couple of other just senior mothers and fathers in the community that we've welcomed to be in that group. And you've noticed our Life Hub meetings have gone to fortnightly and on the other fortnight, so that every week that it's not officially Life Hub Gatherings Week, that the, life, the core team come here on a Thursday night and we have a meeting, which is a lot of equipping. And we're equipping on the things that we feel passionately called to as a community, the discipleship culture, missional living, some things where through COVID and the reset, we felt the Lord going, ah, your ship's gone a little bit off course, just a little bit over here. Can we just bring it back a little bit to here? And so in that training, every second week, we're starting to go over some of the basics of what we feel the word says about the Oikos and the Ecclesia, about the church and what our focus is. But that team is incredible. They're not the in crowd. There is no core family and then there's everyone else, they're not the core family, they're just laying their lives down all the time, doing a lot of extra hours, checking on people, doing a lot of the intercession and we are so grateful um, for that core and so they're not more special, they're just more present and we lean on them a lot and we're so grateful for them. So that's kind of the structure but it's not, it's not the most important thing, the most important thing is some of what we believe and some of our culture which I'm going to go through a little bit more again. Sometimes, some communities have a setup that involves having a pastor who does all things and is all things to all people. Um, maybe you're tempted to feel that that still happens a bit here, but it can be that a church gathers around a shepherd and that the shepherd is a gatherer and the shepherd often has the other, because we can have a couple of the main sort of fivefoldy skills in our bones and the shepherd has often got the teacher gift as well and so we've got this shepherd teacher that's leading a community and that is not the baseline of how we look in the word that the Lord set it up to be but what can happen when it's there's a pastor who's a shepherd and he teaches lots and he equips it's a lot of a gathering instead of a sent people instead of a kingdom coming and moving and advancing which is what you get when you have an apostolic leader in our community, we really feel the conviction of the fivefold leadership, which means that um, it isn't one man doing all things to all people. And we have people come to this community, and I've heard them in the first period of their time here. The senior pastor doesn't even know who I am. And he hasn't even spoken to me, and he hasn't come and visited me, and he hasn't prayed for me, because it can be based on that one man is the father of 60, 120, we've got actually 150 in this community in Life Hubs, and he's the father of all, and he prays over all, and he shepherds all, and he disciples all 150 people. So um, it can, it's very important that we adjust our expectations and lift that off Brad, and any expectations we have of the pastor's wife for a two-for-one deal and what she should be in this community as well. It's very important that we lift that expectation off because it's actually not how we operate and we're only going to fail and disappoint. So here we believe the Ephesians 4, 11 to 13, which I've got in the ESV, and it says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, all five, or a mixture of gifts and in the, in the senior leadership of all of them, to do what? Meet the needs of everybody? Phone everyone when they're sick? 
doesn't say the apostle goes and anoints oil, it says the elders do. To do what? What's the purpose of the fivefold? To equip. That's called training. Our core leaders night every two weeks is called the equipping nights. We're gathering and we're equipping. We're equipping the saints. So equipping the saints for works of ministry. It doesn't say meeting the needs of the heart of every individual. The purpose of the senior pastors is to equip the saints for works of ministry. So it's lots of equipping from here. It's lots of equipping one-on-one and discipleship. It's equipping in teams. It's equipping in staff meetings. It's equipping at the core leaders training. And that flow-down effect of anyone we're equipping to then go turn around and be equippers themselves for works of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So everyone here is built up, we're strengthened on the inside, we can do the work that the Lord's called us to do because fivefold ministry, not because of senior pastor meeting everybody's needs. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. So there's some fruit involved in that that involves unity. If a fivefold is working as it should do, it should be that we're doing some stuff that the fruit of it is unity. If there's disunity in the church, that's just not good for it. That's not good for it. We're going to go there a little bit today as well. The unity of the faith and what we all believe and the knowledge of the Son of God, so our unity in how we view Jesus and love on Him, to mature manhood, so we're going to grow up. We're not going to be children all the time drinking milk. 150 people, the pastor meets all their needs, and we're going to just stay on milk and drink from Daddy. No, we're going to mature and we're going to grow up here in this house because we're under a team of equippers, which means actually the responsibility of bringing the kingdom is on us individually, not on the leadership team, which means when it comes to, let's pick a fivefold, evangelism, which in particular is extra strong in Brad as his, on his heart, that if, besides the apostle, that if the evangelism thing in him, his job is to then equip on that, which he's going back to with the core leadership team at the moment. It doesn't mean that he becomes the one who does all the evangelizing. It means he equips you so that you can do the works of ministry, which means 150 people are turning around, hearing what he's equipping on and going and being a sent people and bringing the good news to the workplaces, to the home life, to the neighborhood. Isn't that wonderful? So when we're tempted to go, I want my friend to know Jesus, I'll bring them to the church service because at the end, the pastor's gonna say, who wants to put up their hand and invite everyone to Jesus? Then the pastor will pray for them and then the pastor will do all that work and then the pastor and then the pastor and the pastor. We're not gonna do that. So we're gonna fail you if that's an expectation because that's an example of the leader doing everything and taking all the responsibility off people, which would be enabling and terrible and just so sickly of him to do. So why would he do that? The responsibility is yours. Isn't that exciting? You get to be evangelists because you're sitting under someone who does also sit in the office of evangelism. So if we're like, why isn't there a neighborhood ministry in this church? Why isn't there a missiony thing? Why isn't there, and if we're listing off what's not going out there stuff, it's like, because you're not doing it. That's why it's not happening. Because actually the responsibility is not on the senior leadership. It's on you. All he's required to do, and I and Rachel and... Andrew, is to equip in any way we can, full stop, that's it, and to help us become more like Jesus. But everything involved in actually being a Christian and being a disciple is 100% yours. Isn't that awesome? 
And the shepherd function would then go, hmm, well, because I, I have that seat. I'm like, I get to be shepherd to everybody or I get to equip the saints on how they can be shepherds. Which what do you think I've chosen? Which do you think sometimes gets put on me? Because if Amy can come and meet my needs, and if Amy can come and pray for me, and if Amy can just please have a coffee date with me, and if Amy, and if Amy, or if Amy equips on how we can be more and more pastoral in how we treat each other and, and how we do things as a life hub, and then you get to become more like Jesus, who's the five. He's all five in one. So our goal must never to be strongly one. I wanna be strongly prophetic. Well, then you're a fifth of Jesus. and you're probably missing some of his heart. Let's get that shepherd next to you. I'm just gonna be an evangelist. Cool, you're a fifth of Jesus. No, you need to be a prophetic evangelist who loves. There's three of them, and then teach while you're out there. You're four. We're supposed to be all five, because he's all five, and it keeps saying in the word that we're to become like Jesus. So we've got to drink deep of any equipping that comes to these five areas and add them to the trough that we are so that we can become more like Jesus. Not assume leadership is like Jesus and bring all our needs to be met by leadership because we're gonna keep turning around going, we're just gonna equip. Maybe someone next to you in your life can help you with that because we're equipping as much as we can in our limited ways, failed ways, mistakes ways, weakness ways. We're offering our loaves and fishes, but I tell you what, in any way we can equip, we commit and we really commit to that. But it's literally all we've been called to. So just to help if you've come in more recently or if you've forgotten this, we just need to adjust expectations of what a leader is. And just to let you know, we're gonna do what the word requires of us which has a lot to do with our character. It has a lot to do with our private lives. It has a lot to do with how we manage ourselves, Mad managing sexual appetites, managing all other appetites, managing relationships, managing how close we are, managing the health of our relationship, the cleanliness. There is so much required of us, it's exhausting. And it's our greatest, greatest honor. But that's different than meeting everyone's needs, leading everyone to the Lord, you, you go bring the kingdom, go for it. Go start something and teach as you go and do it with a pastoral heart. That's when you become Jesus and you become little us's and little Jesus I. There's a lot of plurals here happening tonight. <laughs> I wanna be a little Jesus, pick me. Mm. Is this okay? Too much? too much too quick. Mm. So let's just not come in and lace over here or an overlay of what our understanding is of a church community without just asking what's going on in the fabric here and just to release expectation, release expectation. So with Rachel, she often sits in a prophet seat, but she's become very pastoral at it because we all rub off on each other, which is called becoming more like Jesus. And she's doing it more with an apostolic bend because that's being rubbed off on her. And she's praying more and more in the prayer room. It's like much more Australia wide and the evangelism side's bursting forth. And so that's when it's becoming more whole. But it's also her, not jo her job is never to prophesy over everybody or to say what the Lord is doing. Her job is to equip you to prophesy over everybody. 
She teaches a lot on prophetic. Go backwards, see what she's taught on, on worship and on the prophetic and the teacher prophet side of her has been going hard the last couple of day, uh, years. That's so that you can become more like Jesus. And that's so that you can go and prophesy over your neighbors, over, the, you know, bring the kingdom. Does that make sense? So we're gonna equip you to become the very things that the Lord wants to use. So when it comes to our pastoral culture, so I'm wanting to talk about the, um, you know the word architecture? What does the word architecture conjure in your mind? What does the word architecture? Building, design, structure, yep. So when I talk now about the pastoral structure, I'm sitting more in my shepherdy seat and I'm not going, I'm not gonna go, oh, but of course we've gotta be praying also, and of course we've got to be in the worship and in the prayer room, and that all doesn't disappear just because I'm focusing on shepherdy stuff, is that all right? Because otherwise it wouldn't be fully Jesus. So I'm just gonna hone in on some shepherdy stuff. Okay, so in our pastoral culture, it can be daunting for some. I was talking to someone a couple of weeks ago, not in this community, and I was just chatting a little bit about our church, and she's a Christian, and she leant in and she went, it sounds like, it sounds like what you do is like, almost like, like a family. And it was just so weird. She's like, oh, I go to a service. I go to like a service on a Sunday, and at the moment we can't even meet, so we're going in small groups and we listen to the sermon, and like I go to a service and I, I was chatting a bit of some of what we end up knowing about each other, the good, the bad, the ugly. She's like, you would know that about each other in your community? Like you'd know that that, that happened between that, that person and, and that person? Yeah, because we're family. We're fighting for each other. She was like, Phew. but I thought a church was a service. So just a reminder that we don't come to church on a Sunday. Let's get that out of our language because it confuses the, the people that we're drawing in to be part of the bride. It's not, a, it's not biblical. It's not in the Bible to go to church. It's really not. We are the church. You, we are the church and we gather on a Sunday. So I'm going to a gathering with the church and this church is a family because in the Bible, it talks a lot of familial language about family. So in this church, if you choose to continue to make Paradox Church your home, we choose to operate like a family. Now for some people here, it's like, I'm triggering. That word is a trigger. And it's common and it's often, and that's because there's been a lot of chaos in upbringings in people's lives, which breaks our heart but it doesn't mean we're going to adjust that it's a family. It's we're just gonna get involved in the lives of the people that trigger the most and we're gonna help them learn that family can be a safe thing. Truly, family is not a safe thing for many people. And for us to just expect that people know how to tuck into family and be family and tell us all their stuff and lean in and come to dinner, they don't know how. So let's also just watch our expectations of each other. It can take a journey to learn that family is safe. Because that amygdala is that this would be a family. But if it's a family, which it is, and we're not going to change, what does that require? What does that look like? What does that require of you? What does that require of me? What does that require when it comes to life hub? What does it mean if we are a family, not based on your upbringing experiences? So I don't know much about this, so I shouldn't use this example. but. You know, the grafting, like we are the vine and he is, I failed science with an E. <laughs> A, B, C, D, 
E, but I'm going to try. So you get a branch, little little branch, and it has a cut edge. And you want to stick this branch on a tree. And you want them to become family. You want them to become one. And these people come to our community, they're a little branch, and we're like, awesome. The only way for it to work is for there to be a cut on your end and a cut on our end. It's the way it works. Got to cut our end. Got to cost ourselves our end. We've got to make room for another person. We've got to cut a hole. Family really costs. I tell you, we're doing it the hard way, the awesome way, the really hard way. And then we stick you and our community and you knew, and we just have to hold that for a while. And some people have come into our community and they're like, whoa, I love all the fruit on your tree. I love that and I love that and the worship. No, it's not too long. That's my thing. And the life hubs and you actually get together and you like each other. And oh, and someone likes my kids. They're not a problem here, even if they're loud. No, they're not a problem. And I got a messy marriage and I got this and I got that. It's fine. I just come in. So they come and they're like, wow, Paradox Church. I'm going to start. I'm going to this church. I'm going to this church. We don't use that word here. I'm going to this gathering with this church. And then they're like, oh no, oh no. And they realize what's involved in order for family to work because it really actually costs and it's really tricky. And then they're starting to get stuck in there because that little branch is being held to them and then just being held and they're like, this really, this sucks. And they cut free again and then they go early because the cost of the fruit, I don't, I don't want that. I just wanted the fruit. And that's okay. And we really bless you and we get it because it's daunting and it costs and family is a traumatic thing for some and we bless you and it's really fine and we just know you're gonna have the right home. But I tell you what, if you can survive the grafting experience and you can choose to just stay stuck there for a while, Eventually it becomes okay and you come through and you don't kill us and we don't kill you. But it sometimes takes hanging in there. And what happens in that time is a little bit sticky. Let's get into that. Okay, maybe you're that. Maybe you're like, I'm in the in-between, it looks great, and now there's a requirement to like really bond and join and be grafted. And I'm not sure I can do that. It's normal. Let's look into that. Here, what can happen that is the biggest threat is we can be revealed. Our personality can be revealed. Our sin can be revealed because we're family. We're not a service. Our marriage can be revealed. Our parenting can be revealed. Our mess can be revealed. Our chaos can be revealed. Our addiction can be revealed. Our pornography, our masturbating, our overeating, our arguments, our lack of good parenting, and our messy home. And do you really still want us? And the answer is yes. But it takes revealing, which means the light is going to be boom on. In this house, it is a place of truth telling, truth seeing, truth revealing, because it's the way through. The scripture says in his light, we see light. And we choose to put lamps on everywhere, as you can see. But what happens is for some, they've never had a light over their home that shows all of those little dark cracks and all the gaps. And we come along and we're like, be in our family. I'm just going to turn on your light. Boom. Ah, I'm just going to turn that off. And we're going to leave. 
But we're light turner on us, which is the uncomfortable part because the gaps, the holes, and then that doesn't end up the problem. What can be the problem is underneath that, the shame is actually the problem. And the pride. Shame and pride, I think of as a coin. And for some of us, our shame is what presents the most. Like, I don't want you to see it because this is really bad. Or we, ident we describe ourselves according to what we've done or our sin or sins done against us. And so this shame presents itself and we go, oh, there's a light on, this can't survive here. But often on the other side of shame is pride. They very rarely are not together. So shame can come up if we're like to be really revealed and known here. And pride can come up. No, I don't have pride. I don't. Mm. <laughs> Biggest sin in pretty much any Christian <laughs> in all of us, if we actually knew the depths of what pride is and our self-reliance and our awesomeness as we think of it. Some of us don't have much shame that presents, we just present pride. You would tell me that I have that. You don't think that I'm awesome. Here I am, I'm performing and I'm, I'm wanting to serve here. You don't want my gifts? No, we really don't. We want you. So another confusing thing for people is they come in here and they're like, I got gifts, I'm, I'm really good on the guitar. I'm really great at leading people. I have a passion for youth. I have a passion for marriage. I have a passion for children. I have a passion for serving the Lord and the world and a ministry. And you want me, oh baby, oh baby. <laughs> and we go, we want to family you. And it's like, oh, I've never heard of that before. I don't do that, but I can prophesy over you, do you want the prophetic word, or I'll be on your list every week. Actually, let me just do something humble. I'll just be on this duty, or can I make coffees? No. We have like this silent rule that confuses people sometimes, and we're like, when you come into our community, can you do nothing except be familyed? We'll get to know you. We don't want to use you. We'd rather the same people doing everything and are exhausted and are tired and wish our teams were bigger because we don't want to use you because we don't want to build this church on the backs of our people and burn out people and just, oh, he'll use you to do with the ministry that's on my mind. And Pastor Brad is like, I'm going to use you and I'm going to use you and you don't have any kids, you've got more time and use you and your kids are grown up and I'll use you. And often it's a lot of people who are broken who think their identity is in being used or who just want it that their love for Jesus is because they serve him instead of just know how to be with him in intimacy. And so often churches are built on the back of broken people who just offer their time and resources. Use me, use me, and then I resent you and I leave. We're like, we just... We're just not interested. We know that you have gifts and if you've come here, it's because the Lord wants to use them here and we're gonna celebrate it and we're gonna add fire to it and whatever's on you, we're gonna release it. Don't you worry, in time. In the meantime, let's just family you and we're gonna turn the light on. Let's get to know you and your marriage or lack thereof. Let's get to know your kids. Let's get to know you because nothing about you is scary. Can I just say that to you? Whatever the mess is or the addiction and the depths of it or something you've done in your past or something that was done to you, we don't do shame here. We don't do pride here. Literally, we, we will love that place in you until you accept it too. We are not afraid of mess. We are not afraid of chaos. We are not afraid of addictions. We are not afraid of mental health issues. We are not afraid of dissociative disorders. We are not afraid of demons. You get to bring them here. 
Isn't that exciting? But what that's gonna do is reveal something inside you that goes, oh, I've got to be seen. Yeah, because it's not you. You are not your demons. You are not your addiction. They're two different things. You are not what was done to you and you are not what you've done to someone else, no matter how deep it was and terrible or to an animal or whatever. You are not it. You are who you are and that stuff is called behaviour, not identity. And we just help separate it out because some people are walking in their shame because of all the stuff. It's like, you're not that stuff. You're you and we choose you. No matter how messy, scary, insecure you are, we want you. But we're going to family you, not use you or release you here. And we don't even just want you because we want to get involved in digging in demons. We, we, like, we just want to actually love you. And we want you to be our brothers and sisters. And that's the goal. If you choose this as family, it's I'm going to be familyed and I'm going to be known. And my stuff is not too big, too much, too scary. Be codependent here. We know how to work with that and we'll help with the boundaries. But just be here. We can't help you with that if you don't just fling your mess at us and give it a try. Don't try and manage yourself and keep it all nice and spiritual and, and keep, watch the sin so that it's enough for us. Just be messy. Let it go. We got good boundaries. We'll help you. We'll hold you in it. Are we going okay? Good. This doesn't mean we get it perfect, by the way. What I'm saying today is our goals, not how perfect we do it. We actually have a lot of gaps ourselves in all of this. But what it's going to require is for you to arrive here with some need. And you're going to need to desire to be known. Not put up with us as we try and pry. Getting to know you. Come on, I'm going to get jackhammer and I'm going to get... It would really be helpful if we go to be here, I need to choose to be known. What does that bring up in you? Let's get rid of that stuff. It's a shame pride thing. To be here, desire to be known. And if you've never had that desire before, probably some shame under there and insecurity and self-loathing. Let's help you with that. What would it look like if you desired to be known? And for some of us, we're like, literally, I live with the hunger of desire to be known. I've got so much clinginess and, and dependency that you, you won't know what to do with me. We know what to do with you. It's fine. But for those who don't want to be known, desire to be known. Here's another one. This one's a bit tricky. This one is the pride one. People, people. Desire to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. It's kind of what's required for us in being a disciple, in being a follower of him, is to become like him. Do you live with a raging desire to become like Jesus? Do you wake up and go, I hope I become a bit more like Jesus today? Do you know what that means? It means every day we're open to change and to being changed. Some of us, it's like, I have to change. I've seen some of those relationship things. Make sure the one you choose is that they never have to change. Don't require that of them. I'm like, excuse me, I'm gonna be changing every day. The amount of change I've gone through in my relationships in this community, better want to change every single day. But we don't wanna change our personality. We don't wanna change our identity in Christ. But my gosh, if we're not walking around every day desiring for him to change us a little bit more today, then there's some good old pride and shame at work. It's very hard to lead you when that's in play. Maybe you wanna work on that. 
But we need to really desire always changing and transforming into the likeness of Jesus, which means we start to work with the thing He does in our lives, which is called sanctification and transformation. That's literally what our journey here on the earth is. There's a lot of sanctification and transformation, and it's a lot of loving Jesus and loving each other and bringing the kingdom. But we need to live with a desire of, some days I wake up in the morning and I'm like, would you bring me to death today is my prayer, and then new life. Bring more flesh to death in me today. Is that our prayer? Are we okay to be always changing or is something in us like, but I'm right and our family's right and I do things right. I've put a lot of work into doing things right. I'm very right in my life and my family's right and we have rules in our home. Yield them, change. You know, we can't change ourselves. That's called doing it in the flesh. Only He can change us. But if our desire is to be changed, then He'll usually bring someone in the community that's annoying near you, and you'll change. It's really good. Mm. Designed to grind. We need to desire to die if we're going to join this community. You hear more about that in our Elijah House training units, but really... The whole thing of the gospel is he brings an ax to the root of the stuff that's still in our lives and that sanctification and transformation. We've got to desire to die, die to self. Some of us have a lot of strong flesh. The, the, the deep selfishness that can come up in our home and the way that home rotates around meeting my needs, that's the deep selfishness that can be in play in a lot of our families. We've got to really live with this desire to, to die to our flesh. And then it involves covenanting in. Some of you are like, whoa, there's talk, that's like, do we cut blood on our hands and then shake? Is that like a blood covenant? What is this word covenant when it has to do with family? Just like you've heard the word covenant when it comes to a marriage, marriage ceremony, and we covenant. When it comes to choosing a family, it's like covenanting in, which means when it gets really hard, and tough and everyone else in my life hub sucks and I wish I was in a different one and the worship is dot 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 and the speaking is dot 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 and the speaker is dot 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 and the pastor is dot 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 it must mean that it's time to not be here dot 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 um, or it must mean they need some feedback it must mean the leaders have got to change which is an ongoing thing anyway but actually Covenanting in is just like family stuff where it's I choose you every day. And to be in a life hub with people that are not your favorites, it's like, yeah, it's like family. You wake up and you go, I choose you today. It doesn't mean it's easy and it doesn't mean it's a group of friends because we don't set life hubs up amongst, let's pick the friend groups. Well, usually I see you hanging out with you and hanging out with it, so you become a group. And I usually see you with you and you. And we'll have all the 30s here and the 50s here. And the, so we become best friend groups. No, we do family. They're all the age groups are in the same groups. And you go there and it's like, oh, I really have to choose you. <laughs> yeah. Which changes us. That's Jesus. He chooses us every day with all of our stuff. But it means choosing this community when it's hard, when we don't know what's going on, when the Lord's doing a work in our heart where actually there's a lot of suffering going on, where we're being revealed all the time. It's choosing this community. If I asked for a show of hands, how many people have had to keep choosing this community at times, you'd probably put your hand up, yeah? We know this stuff. I've had to choose you too. 
personally and corporately, because we're just humans. But our, the way we operate in this community is I've got to choose it. Something that goes with the truth telling in our, is this too fast, is it too much? We're gonna choose each other after this over a good dinner and everyone's gonna be friends. But in the meantime, something that goes on with our truth telling and turning on lamps everywhere and, and turning on lights is something we call feedback. Another thing in an alarm bell for some of us in our amygdala is holy hang. To me that means criticism. If anyone's grown up under criticism from a parent or a significant leader or an authority teaches, um, to hear the word feedback is you see big red pen and angry harsh works, words and shut down. In fact, it, it brings up insecurity. And the hardest thing about feedback with a person if they've been under criticism is everything is heard through insecurity. And it's actually heard in ways that we don't mean. But that's the revealing thing. It's okay if this stuff's revealed in us. How many of you love feedback? Yeah, I thought so. Couple of hands because they've seen the other side of it and what it does. I don't like it. Someone says, can we have a conversation? I'm like, ah, I know, here we go. Are you cross with me, ah, okay, do it, go, ah, listening. Mm. It's like, gee, fear goes off in my chest. It's not easy. You're laughing because it's true, hey? Yeah? It's so not easy, but oh my gosh, we don't know when we've got lettuce in our teeth and mud on our face. And it's the kindest thing when we're like, oh, It's, a, it's feedbacks are covering for the stuff that we don't know is in us. Because we don't know what we don't know. Have any of you actually seen your back? You've never seen the back of your head. Only in a mirror, and that's not what I'm talking about. Have you seen your back, like with your own eyes? No, or you'd be weird. But I tell you what, most of this room has seen your back. And if there was a piece of mud stuck in your hair and some doggy doo-doo over here and a bit of your dinner on your shoulder, would you not want a friend to go, can I just cover you and explain that this is on the part that you can't see? Because I'm sure everything you can see is awesome because you've done lots of work on that and you're so self-responsible and you've got a beautiful heart, but can I just cover you? And feedback is a covering, but it's also a, it's just also for the rest of the body. It's also for everybody, because what we bring in impacts more than we realize. And that doggy doo-doo, everyone's being impacted by it because it's smelly in here because of your pride. And it's smelly in here because of your putting expectations on everyone, whatever it is. So when we have a conversation with each other, it actually is because we want to clean out the impact. Are you okay? It's gone very quiet. If it's impacting everybody as well as just the person talking to you and it's for your good. And it also means that part is not Christ-like. And it's not that we stand there and we go, let me pick a part of Teresa today that's not Christ-like and I'm gonna reveal it to her. It's not like we go out going, who am I gonna give feedback today to hmm, find some imperfection in Nicole. It's when it's like, oh, this is really impacting and this is not Christ-like and they would want to know, actually they wouldn't want to know, but I love them so much, I'm gonna help them with it. And we do it so that 
the thing that we can become like Jesus actually happens. Because imagine if we were just only completely left to our own sanctification transformation journey. We'd all be walking around going, I'm really, I'm really a lot like him. I'm quite like Jesus because I've gotten rid of all of the spots on me. And we turn around, spots everywhere. It's actually part of the Christ-likeness process is we've got people going, come over here, I just need to point this out, or this is not working, or you go into a life hub and actually it's not comfortable. I'm gonna get onto that point next. It's, it's problematic if we approach the way we do life and the decisions we make about this community and people in it and Sundays and gatherings, if it's based on if it's comfortable and easy. It's like, where did we get that? in the scripture or like, how did we arrive at if it works for us and if it's easy and comfortable and I like it, I'm gonna do that. If anything, choosing God means I'm gonna live a life of cost. And being in a family is gonna really cost me. It's far easier to just be a lone island. But when you actually have to bump into each other, which grinds off all our bits, it's, it's not easy. But it's interesting that a lot of people more and more, because we're actually in an amazing first world country where there's many people in other countries, they don't get to choose what's amazing and easy. And here we actually get to eat like kings every single day and really cheaply be surrounded with splendor in our homes. And then I'm just gonna drive that. I'm just gonna go there. And then I'm now it's an evening shopping as well, and it's night this, and actually anything I feel like I can exert. It's really dangerous when it becomes to then us as Christians because our flesh is getting really loud. And then we're making decisions based on, but that's not comfortable. And I'm sure the Lord wouldn't want me to be uncomfortable. It must be because this place is not of the Lord. There must be a demon in that worship leader because that was not comfortable. If you're laughing, have you been thinking those things? (laughs) Amy is talking and it's making me uncomfortable. It must be because she dot, dot, dot. Or the whole purpose is if we're uncomfortable, then we mature, which is the focus of the, is that plural foci, of the fivefold, is that we come into unity and then we mature. We can't mature unless there's some growing pains and unless it's uncomfortable, but... Like, oh, it's a 3 p.m. meeting. That's not as comfortable. Why is that part of a decision-making? On his dinner afterwards and then everyone stays on and it's a big group. That's not comfortable for me. I'm an introvert. So I'm going to make a decision based on that. On his prayer beforehand, but at Sunday we also see family. I'm not going to come to prayer and the gathering and dinner because that's uncomfortable and it's challenging. Then there's a, then that week there was all court leaders meeting as well. I'm giving a lot of nights to this community. It's not comfortable. It's not comfortable for my health and my family and I'm tired. Can we just really make sure we're not making decisions based on what works best, what is less abrasive, what is easier to manage? It's called loud flesh. Do you still like me? Your flesh does not. I can smell flesh burning in the room. 
it's really important that we watch this space at the moment because more and more the enemy's like, I don't even have to do much in Australia. They just get to be comfortable because they can. Yeah, we're COVID free. We're not in stress. We can just be like, oh, we can gather. But it's like that leads to apathy. That leads to, oh, watch it online during the week. Oh, I won't go to a life hub gathering. That's really tough and a group. And I, she's weird and she's needy. And he's, whoa, he this smells. But I'm going to have one-on-ones because one-on-ones is more comfortable. I'm not going to do one-on-ones because I have a big timetable and I've also got this and I've got that. And so one-on-ones, I know that person in our community is really struggling, but I'm not going to text them because then they're going to want to text back. And actually, oh, and I won't pray. For, I'll just pray now because I don't want to be telling them I'm going to pray this week. That's like seven days of praying. And the prayer room, I have to drive to Baldivas for a prayer room. And then I didn't really feel the spirit for a whole hour. And then I had to drive home like that was not comfortable. Let's not do that. I, I wonder if a new aim can be, I want to live uncomfortable so I become like Jesus. Which means oh, I get up that half an hour earlier because I read the word because it's not comfortable to get my Bible out and to sit and work through another chapter. Then I'm actually gonna exert some energy and pray Imagine that. Thought that's what the prayer room does for me. And then I'm gonna text someone in my life hub and check how they're still going, even though they're always sad and it's been two years. I'm gonna text them again. Flesh die. Then I might visit someone and take groceries, which cost me $80. That was the pair of jeans that I wanted but I'm just gonna drop groceries off and then they get, they're there. So then we're gonna have a conversation. I think if we live choosing that this is gonna cost me everything, then being in this community might work. And our goal of what we feel a community could be will work, but it's not gonna work unless every person goes, I'm gonna cost myself. And being a lover and a follower of Jesus is gonna cost me everything. And that, that's actually what you signed up for when you gave your life to him. It's called the narrow road. It's got to cost us everything. And then we get on our knees again and then we pray more. And then we extend our table and it, again we have someone else from the community for dinner who doesn't have family. But can't another family do it? It's got to cost us everything. But I'm sure a lot of us are doing it and you're amazing. You really are and many people are doing this, in fact most. I'm just explaining us in case anything's been confusing. Mm. <laughs> three minutes until parents need to leave. Well, then let's talk about confrontation. Three minutes. <laughs> Another thing that goes off in our amygdala, because you knew confrontation as it doesn't work out, yelling, throwing things, glass splitting on the wall. But the way through with a community is healthy confrontation, which usually involves just a conversation, not a confrontation. So if we can remove the word confrontation, it might become a little less scary. My chest still beats every time I've got to have a conversation with somebody. I have never not freaked out about com com confrontation. I don't know if I ever will, but imagine if I obeyed my comfortability levels and went, oh, that's so scary. I'm just going to forgive them instead. I'm going to forgive and then I'm going to be fine with them. No, we won't be close. 
I wouldn't be besties with them ever. But I'm just going to forgive, and I forgive that person in the community, and I forgive that worship person, and I forgive, and now I can be here. Or those people don't know they've got stuff on them, and it takes a confrontation. But let's just have a scripture about the way it works, because if anyone here comes in and they're frustrated with people, and they talk sideways about it, like to someone not in this community, or to someone else in the Life Hub, or to a new person, because they're like, oh, we don't like the way the leaders do this, and we don't like the way the leaders do that, and just be careful because the worship's like this, and this person in the Life Hub is like that, that's called gossip. It's really not Jesus and it's little foxes and they come into this community and then there's splits everywhere. Do you know how much work it takes to undo the splits? It's, it's lots. But the scripture says, let's look at Matthew 18, 15. I've got the amplified version. Matthew 18, 15 says, if your brother sins, familial language, hello. If someone in your community, who's male is basically, but if your sibling in this community sins, which we will, me included, If someone in this community does something ill towards you, go, you mean don't complain? You mean don't gossip? No, you have to go to them. It's a command in the scripture. Anything else is anti-Jesus. You go and you show them their fault. Where? In front of everybody? At Life Hub Night? In a group setting? In? That is so scary, because it's one-on-one in the corner and it's just you and it's just them. So we don't do that with a really unsafe person, but most of the time the command is you and them, baby, and it's go to them. If they listen and pay attention to you, which is our hope, let's all try and do that if someone gives us feedback, you have won back your brother. That means if you go to them, it means your aim is to win them as a brother. If you're not gonna want to be their brother and be their sister, don't go give them the feedback. If you don't wanna walk it out with them and be family with them, then you're just actually pointing out someone's stuff because you can't stand it anymore. The goal is I'm gonna want you as my sibling, so I'm gonna pursue the heck out of you and we're gonna deal with this thing so that I have a sibling after this because that's my goal. So go and talk to them if you want a sibling, which should be our goal, all of us. Then it says, if they don't listen, which is some of us, in our pride and our shame, take along with you one or two others. That's the first time you get to talk to someone else about someone who's annoying, is after you've met with them. If you're annoyed with Brad, someone else gets to hear about it after you've talked to Brad about it. Isn't that a wonderful thing? If I am really frustrating you and I've hurt your heart and I didn't mean to, someone else hears about it second, because you told me first. That's got to be the way we do this as family, everybody. Otherwise, I tell you what, it's, that is chaos. It's back chatting. Sometimes I can walk in here on a Sunday and I can be around even a group and I'm like, we've just lost them. They've moved their hearts away from us and they all know about it because there's been conversations. And I can feel it and it's a tear and it's disappointing. If they don't listen, take along with you one or two others so that every word may be confirmed by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So someone can hear both sides and confirm, yeah, they said that to you. If he pays no attention to even them helping you, refusing to listen and obey, then you tell the church. And that's still not gossip. You're allowed to say, this is going on. After you did one-on-one and after you took your life hub leader with you or something like that. If they still refuse to listen, because we all get involved as a church, let him be to you as an unbeliever and a tax collector. How do we treat unbelievers? 
judging, spitting on the face. Love, pursue, grace, patience, going after them again, praying for them. Hello. How are we going with this? Almost everyone in here does it and you're amazing because we've talked about this a few times. I've done whole sermons around this scripture and I just thank you because the net is not got a lot of tears in it. But if your family had a different family culture growing up when it came to dealing with things, which was avoid confrontation, get out of the house if someone's angry, avoid someone and use shut down and I'm gonna punish you in silence for three days for giving me that feedback. Because my parents, if that one, if the wife said that to the husband, that's it. I'm going to give you the silent treatment. That's called punishment and it's disgusting. We go after them. And when you did that, it did this to my heart and we give feedback. We never separate to punish. We don't avoid each other. We don't cannot come here on a Sunday because that person's part of the community. We've got to go. We, we are chosen siblings and we've got to fix up the gaps. But it's only going to work if we're all Nehemiah's. Nehemiah had a shovel and a sword. We are fighters, we're ecclesia, we're doing worship, we stand here, we worship, we pray for the Christian schools and, and we have a shovel. Do you know what you're doing? If we all aren't building the wall in front of us, if we're not building up the family wall and making sure there's no gaps in it, these little foxes are gonna come right in. We're needing every single person here to know how to build the family wall in front of them so there's no gaps. That means no talking behind people's backs. It means pursuing the one that annoys you. It means praying for the one that you're tired of. It means grace for life of leaders and senior leaders and worship leaders. And, and in anything that grinds you, it's like Jesus changed me to be more like you using the pressure of this human. And just let it make you more like Jesus because you've chosen to covenant in. No conversations in the background unless you've spoken to the person first. Literally, the whole church will get involved and still there should be no little dinners over. This is a frustration with this person in our life. It's disgusting. It's not the way a family works. It's the way some family works. But please, let's not overlay upbringing family chaos with this one because we, we, need, we need to be safe here. All of us need to be safe here to know that our, to know that our names are safe on each other's lips. Can I go to another point? This doesn't mean we never talk about each other. Ooh. I'm just gonna explain some things that happen here. Your Life Hub leaders talk about you. Your Life Hub leaders talk about you. That's different to gossiping. Because if something goes on and a child is sick, your life hub leader will be like, guys, we need to put a, a meal over here. That's called talking about you. And then if this marriage over here is dysfunctional, we're like, come on, look at me, attention. We need to work on this marriage. And the life hub leaders get together. And if there's ever an expectation of coming into this community, I'm like, I told that life hub leader that. This one, how did they find out? It's possible there was an upbringing where mom knew this stuff, dad knew this stuff or mom's house was in that town, dad's house was in this town. Here, we're a, a combined unit and mom and dad know everything the same because we can't be played off each other and we work together fighting for you. So your life habitus will always, always know because they're, that's, it's really gonna build security in you once you get used to it because it means any conversation is fighting for you and problem solving. Do you know how many hours are put into problem solving? 
that is not frustration and bitching and talking about you and just like, why can't this marriage? It's like, okay, what else can we do to help them to, to get through? That's talking about you. Not only do they talk about you, they sometimes talk up the channel. And that original picture that we had on the screen, they might talk to whoever oversees Life Hubs and Kylie might know about your marriage. I didn't give permission for Kylie to know about my marriage. She helps oversee Life Hubs. Jess Talbot, Lindley and Rod, they also oversee particular Life Hubs that they will probably know if you are feeling really low and don't feel like you can make it anymore. And if your child ran away and if you have an eating disorder. And, and that should be the safest thing. And then you know what? Sometimes stuff's so tricky and we're really gonna problem solve for you, they tell me. And then Rachel finds out and tech team Andrew suddenly knows about your marriage. Oh my gosh, this church doesn't know anything about confidentiality. We must be very careful to not laminate secrecy with confidentiality because they're two different things. And we commit to never keeping your secrets. It's not healthy. We're not gonna keep secrets because we need to work together as a team because we don't always know what to do because we're just loaves and fishes people. None of us are specialists. We don't have degrees in social work. Come on. This, this, all we are is a family. And sometimes someone comes here and they're like, but the church is supposed to meet this need and do this with injustice and do this with marriage counseling and do that with this and do this. It's like, whoa, we are not a social service, a community social service environment or any kind of anything. All we are is a family. Literally, that's all we have. And all our leaders, they'll be like, yes, we are loaves and fishes people. It is a room of non-specialists. You ask all those learning prayer ministry, they're like, we're just so little. You really choose us. The Lord picks you. We're a church with lack of amazing people with degrees. We're just family. So we need to brainstorm together sometimes and we ask and we pray and we work it out and we fight for you together. And we commit to always talking about you until you come all the way through. Yeah. Until you're out of your depression, we will talk about you. Yeah. And it's no gossip. There's, a, there's hours of problem solving into people in this room because we love you and we are for you. And we're like, no, there must be an answer. We're gonna pray again. We commit to talking about you until you come all the way through. And that's different to not being confidential. Also in the law, we're not actually held to anything confidential. We're not a counseling service. We're actually not beholden to anything. But as a culture, we choose that your names will always be safe on our, safe on our mouths. So know that you'll be talked about with honor, dignity, and, we, and belief that you're gonna come all the way through. But anyone in a senior position will probably be problem, problem solving together like a healthy mom, dad, so we'll know stuff that you didn't give us permission. So we try and say to our life leaders, just tell them that you're gonna be reporting that in. So, but we don't always remember to. But just know that our culture is connection in the background fighting for you and that, that your names are safe on our lips. Is that okay? Yeah. Just wanted to add that. If that doesn't sit well with you, please come and speak to me or us afterwards because it probably means something else is being triggered. At another time, I'll unpack a bit to you as a community of what we do with someone in our community who's feeling a bit suicidal, because we have that, and someone with a mental health issue, diagnosed or undiagnosed. We have people that come in and it's undiagnosed and we help them get the, the diagnosis. I've done the all-nighter in emergency with people, with someone, sat on the edge of their bed. We do that with each other. 
We're not afraid of that here. We're going to tell you that we've got a background structure with that. All the core leaders were here Thursday night. We went through what it involves. There's, a, there's something that we do and things we put in place, and your story is welcome here. But at some stage, we'll communicate it a bit more to the wider community. But just know we got it. We've got a system that works mostly in our loaves and fishes way, and we're doing our best. But it has to do with us knowing we're not the full answer. Jesus is, and local services, and the GP, and the allied health services, and people who are specialists in this. And we're going to get you connected to all of those people too, and together we're going to bring you all the way through. But your story's not too much for us, okay? It's not. But we'll get onto that at another time. That was not an angry chat from mum. <laughs> this community is amazing. It's beautiful, it's healthy, and it's been a healing place for many people. But the way to keep that going is to keep choosing each other. All of us choosing each other, choosing the leadership, choosing the team leader, choosing your life hub leader in all that they know and they don't know, choosing the kids in our community because they're not in the way. They're not problems, they're not noisy, they don't need controlling, they don't need a religious managing so they grow up with religious spirits, same as yours. okay with this freedom here but just know we want you we want your whole story we want your whole mess your whole chaos and all of your amazing gifts and your amazing character and all your spiritual gifts we want the whole hog but not half of you okay and together if you can choose as well to be grafted in and to survive what that involves and the revealing um, you're going to come out more like Jesus and feeling safer than you've ever felt before Lynn Scadden, you said to me last night at a party, we're at a party together, Lynn Scadden says to me, I remember how I came into this community and chose to be grafted in. I said, I need your story. I'm speaking on this a bit tomorrow. And she says, well, it was week one and I texted you. Okay. And I said to you, I don't think I can stay here. Is this right? I don't think I can stay in this community. And, you know, I have issues and I have needs and, it, you know, it's not being met here, something like that. I don't think I can be in this community. So I texted back and I said, I'm going to get back to you. And she says, she put the phone down. I went, you're yeah, right. That never happens. That's a goodbye, I can't deal with you, you have need. She said, two days later, I texted her. And I said, Lynn, I'm just amazed that you're part of a prayer group and you're part of a life hub and no one knows you have need. And so you're telling me you can't be here because your needs are met, but does anyone know what your needs are? So her life hub leaders were Martin and Teresa. So she texted them. She texted Martin or called Martin. I have realised I've never told you this, but I have needs. <laughs> and I might just try this before I leave the community. And Martin and Teresa got in the car and they went to her house for four hours and listened to all her needs and prayed into them and prayed through some of the background stuff and did some prayer ministry with her and took notes on her life and recorded all her needs for four hours. And she's still here. <laughs> and your needs are not too much. And it's been uncomfortable, hasn't it, Lynn? It's been a really hard road and she has stuck it out and she's done the heart rope journey. She's chosen revealing and it's been gruesome and you're very honest and you're very vulnerable, which is what it takes. And you keep going, I can't do this anymore and I'm this and I'm hurting and I'm this. And we're like, we, we got it, we got you. We can do this with you. And you are one of our highlights. Like you're so faithful. Yeah. You are an example of it works if you just cling. Yeah. 
if you just cling, it works. And we really love you. And thank you for choosing us. Yeah. Can we stand together? I'm going to pray. Afterwards, we're going to have dinner in that side because of the rain, or is it that side tonight? That way, we we go, ooh, we're back. Even more rain has not led this. So we're out that side for dinner. Please be released to go home if you can't stay. It doesn't mean anything. But also, if it's uncomfortable, try choosing it. And anyone who does stay, try choosing meeting someone new. It really costs because it's easier to go with someone that you know. It's hard to talk to a new person. But for new people, if they've come to this community, that means they've got no other family. You're it. Like, you're actually it. So please, can we choose to just die to ourselves and meet someone new over dinner if we can? But be released to go. It's not a personality thing. Um, but also know that me and maybe just a couple of other prayers will just linger here a little while, shortly, while we get hungry. But we're going to stay 15, 20, 30. Your needs are not too much for us and we want to hear your need and if that's triggered anything in you or if you just want to come up and go I don't know if I can do family because of my story we just want to pray with you okay so just know I'm going to hang back um and if any of you are like okay I need to give you feedback Amy because I've realized I've never done it then you're gonna line up there's probably a whole hang of you 11 of you line up and go you asked for it baby (laughs) let's pray okay oh Jesus how much we learn more and more after choosing you that we, it takes clinging to you and choosing you every day for us to become more like you and to find you and to love you well. And Lord, we're so blessed that you chose us to be in this era we're in and in the country that we're in because we're actually, unless it's a lot of internal suffering and suffering in our body, we're actually quite comfortable in many ways. Unless it's relational damage, like on a national level, we're really blessed. Jesus, would you just help us to not get too comfortable with our appetites and to not choose the the wide path but to realize that following you is a narrow one which is very uncomfortable and it takes daily choosing but also lord a family is less comfortable sometimes than an island and it's going to reveal us through and through and these imperfect people and imperfect leaders are going to really reveal us lord would you would you give us the grace to choose to choose to cling, to choose all in, both feet, fully known, shame gets broken off, pride gets laid down. Would you give us the the grace to choose to be known? No more hiding, no more hiding. Would you give us the grace to choose each other, Lord, even in the frustration, even in the no breakthrough yet, even in the cost, and would you help us become people that extend our table and extend our grocery bill and extend our time for the sake of, of our brother and sister in the community? Help us to be intentional and aware of each other, selfless and brought to death every day. Lord, I thank you for this family. It's been the revealing of me and the healing of me. And I thank you for the mighty gift of this very people that you've helped me, that I would not have been more Christ-like without them. Would you help us to become a family in a way that only you can do? Lord, even in our time soon, Lord, for some it's very uncomfortable to just be in a social environment and to feel at peace. 
but would you help us, Jesus? Would you just give us the grace? You've called us to be a family, which means there's a provision of grace to be able to do it. And Lord, I ask that every individual would be tucked in by you, Lord, over the time together over dinner. Lord, that someone would just have eyes to see and ears to hear someone else that needs to be seen. Help us see each other in this time. Help us choose each other. And would you just bind us together, Lord, in unity? Would you lift off any shame, condemnation, anything that's come through what I've said? Lord, it's not in my heart. I thank you for this community. I bless this community. Would you help us every day to look out for the little foxes that come in, Lord, through background conversations and judgments in our heart? And would you help us to just be builders of the wall? Safe, complete family wall. Everyone hemmed in on the inside and looked after. Bless this community, Lord. Take us to joy and rest and bless the kids as they fellowship together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for family chats. You're an incredible family and you're doing amazing. I bless you. A few of us will hang back just a little bit. Um, feel free to chat about it over dinner and God bless you. Thanks.